This episode is brought to you by Quantum Thinkers Mastermind. This is my awesome kick-ass group that I've been running over the past month. And man, am I ever excited for this group. We have some amazing stars in there. And every week we come together and we work through our challenges together. We acknowledge and validate each other and really lean into each other. We laugh, we get concerned, but we move through it all. And the magic of community, I cannot talk about it enough. So come and check it out for yourself. Come join us. You do not have to do ADHD by yourself all alone. It really does help when you become part of a community that really understands you without even questioning it. Even actually today in our mastermind, we had some amazing topics that came up where people shared. They were like, oh, I think I'm the only one going through it. And the whole room was like, no, we're all going through that. So come and check us out quantumthinkersmastermind.com on my website. The details are there. Would love to have you as a new member. Come join us. Welcome to Proudly ADHD at work and in business. I am your host, Coach Kathy Rashidian, and I help professionals like you understand the science behind your unique brain so you can unlock that inner genius. Ready to transform your ADHD into your best asset? Keep listening. Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. I have another special guest. So as you all know, the theme of my show is from time to time, I bring on some amazing folks that have figured out their ADHD brain wiring. So as much as we like to talk to our expert guests and our doctors and, and, and special coaches, but then we do like to go onto the streets and look for those amazing rock stars rocking it out with, the, with their ADHD brain wiring. So in this case, I came across uh, Michael Liss when I was working with, with another colleague of mine and I met him in a group coaching setting and I was like, whoa, who is this guy? And look at his story. So I really wanted to share his story in this episode and really shed some light on different perspectives that he brings about his late in life diagnosis and so forth. So without further ado, Michael, I'm honored you're here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's uh, been great to meet you, listen to your podcast, and I hope we can provide some information to help some people. Awesome. Let's backtrack a little bit. As always, I like a little brief context or a story into your latent life diagnosis. Can you tell me how that came about, please? Sure. I went to a real nice funk during the coronavirus. Um, actually, the three years prior to that, I found myself on a one-man mission to make sure that Donald Trump wouldn't remain president. And I couldn't shake that. There was nothing that anybody could do to stop me from reading everything that I possibly could about everything. And it freaked me out. And I spent three years going, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And that had me in a real bad place to start with. Then we get into coronavirus and... I now understand what happened to me much better, but it's suffice to say I bottomed out really well. And luckily for me, I'm very hyperactive. So I just hike and I hike and I walk and I hike and I walk. And after the election, I said, it's time to start dealing with anxiety because that's what I thought I was just dealing with was anxiety, depression kind of stuff. And I put on an anxiety podcast and listened to a couple of them. Then I heard somebody mention the letters in a row, A, D, H, and D which I really never thought about before, which is weird. Um, 
And I hit it on the podcast search bar. And the next thing you know, I figured out what's gone on for 54 years and why I can't do anything the way people want me to do them. And when the way things only work well is when I get to do them my way. It's a fascinating kind of brain to go through life with. And I didn't know that it was, you know, on a molecular level, any different than anybody else's. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, there's a whole range of stuff that comes at age 54 when you figure out that you literally, I've been saying I'm wired differently than everybody my whole life. And people say, no, if you just do this and if you just do that. And there's, you know, and I'm at the point of like jubilation that at least it explains everything. That's like right. at least I understand why things happen and I can be forgiving of myself for the things that I look back and like, God, I just... I don't know what happened or I wish that turned out differently or I didn't have a chance or whatever that is. I was able to go, of course that happened. <laughs> like if you walk around with your neurology all miswired and you don't know what do you think's going to happen? So it's been a, I consider it a grieving process. Mm -hmm. I'm in ex I, a very serious grieving process. I went into a very deep depression just about this, like, telling my wife, like, if I knew all about ADHD and I knew this, I never would have married you. I would do this to you. You know, what a terrible thing to walk around with. I'm never going to be okay. And I was really feeling that, but that's part of depression. You know, you kind of have to get through that in grieving to get to, you know, acceptance. And that's where I am now. And you can create out of acceptance. So it's what it is. It's what's so, I can take all the pills in the world. It's not going to change my wiring. Mm -hmm. And I can try to be somebody else and I'm not going to be somebody else. So that's like the gift out of, you know, being hit over the head with blunt force instrument. I have goosebumps from the, from your story. And also the, the grieving process is, is a big, one. some of us, it's like, for me, it was the light bulb moment that was like, oh, finally, my life makes sense. And maybe I grieved for about a couple of days and then I'm like, okay, what are we going to do about this? Like, I'm kind of wired that way to be like, okay, well, I'm going to fix this. But that's bargaining. That's part of the process. That's called bargaining. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, and it's interesting and especially in your fifties to go through that. I mean, it's like, you are who you are at that age and to, to come to that crossroads, what pulled you out of the grieving process? Do you think? completing it and being willing to go back to number one when I have to and number two when I have to and number three when I have to because that's a grieving because it's a life that I thought it's like I'm divorced my ex-wife is a different person in the long run than what I thought I was marrying when we were much young younger and although we had really good reasons to get divorced still took a grieving process to be open for a new relationship sure. uh, you know like a multi-year to be really open for real love again. So I didn't want to sweep it under the carpet either because mm -hmm. what I found, what had me going into the anxiety podcast was I felt these feelings before. Like I've, like what I was going through, I now know to be called a meltdown. Mm -hmm. Like I was just, I was melting down and I didn't know about meltdowns. So then I, I really just started getting in touch with my inner feelings and realized this has happened a lot of times in my life. And I said, it's always really bad afterwards. Like really bad things happen when I feel this way and I don't want my life to fall apart again. It's, mm. it sucks to have to put it all back together again. So that was my inspiration in doing it was like, I felt those feelings. I knew they were not going to take me anywhere happy unless I did some radical surgery. 
So I kind of went on a multi-month process of lawyering much more part-time and gathering information and analyzing, which is ironic because that's what makes me a good lawyer because somebody tells you something and then you dig in your altar sleeves and you dig in and you find out, you know, I'm good at mastery. When I get a fascinating case, I'm able to master things that I know nothing about and become a subject matter expert in them with one case. Mm-hmm. So I've done that with ADHD. Like I, I just, I've read from the holistic to, uh, to medical doctors, CMEs, you know, I, I listen to it all for my own impressions. Cause that's what I do. I, I assess, I speak to people, mm-hmm. I get gut feelings and then I put it together. And, you know, there's certainly a lifelong of maintenance mm-hmm. of this wiring, but I feel like I'm past the initial step of understanding. And I think a lot of people will go through their lives, even diagnosed as a kid and die even medicated and never understand on the molecular level what's happening the way I have, but I really did the work. So not that it makes every day easy because most days are all full of challenges. Every day is like, if it's not a logistical challenge, it's a self-created challenge or an emotional challenge. Like challenges are the name of the game, but I'm a lawyer, like I'm a problem solver. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably the best guinea pig for somebody to have to be 54 and figure it all out because I love psychology I love research I love science and I like solving problems and coming up with the most creative solutions of everybody as a lawyer that's what I do I come up with the most people have no idea where I'm coming from and I come up with stuff just out of forget out of the box like out of the sky off the wall yeah and yeah that's what ADHD is all about and I love that, Michael, because one of the things you're, you're, you're talking about is tapping into your strength and making it work for you instead of focusing on the weakness or the challenge or whatever. You, you lean into the strength of the lawyer side of you and this is how I tackle these and now let me do this. Take, take the strength from that experience and then apply it to your everyday life with this purpose. So that, that's just beautiful, 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 beautiful. Tell me something about... Uh, for the lawyers that are listening to this podcast, because I do have some lawyers that, that listen, the before and after, what, do you, what were your challenges before in your profession when it came to ADHD? And then Many. the other side. So pick one Many. or two. <laughs> Especially Business, I develop. Business yeah. development. Go ahead. So two, two, if you want to, like business development and run of the mill work. Mm-hmm. And those are both things I've noticed over the years, my capacities diminished. Like I've been speaking with my kids. My son is in town. I told me, your age. I didn't even think I had emotions and I certainly had no problems. <laughs> you know, it's like life gets harder as you get older. It doesn't get easier despite, you know, and I got old parents that are hitting their 80s now and I see their challenges. Like you become a little better at, facing them because you have context and wisdom and experience but the challenges get greater as you get older not lesser like my mom now has to worry about not just me and my kids and her marriage and mortality but grandkids and their mortality and their boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands and we we are we're all really sensitive 
us neuroatypical divergent people. Mm -hmm. and my mom's a really sensitive person and all. So she carries that burden all the way down from the generations below her. Yeah. Going back to the, the business development and the run of the mill work, what were, what did you, what was the challenges there? And then what's the flip side of that that's happening now, or you're seeing it differently? What's going on there? Well, so my second shot is in two weeks and there's a whole world that comes after COVID. So I'm not going to get past my skis on the way down the hill. I have made some very clear determinations about my life that'll carry into it. So before, and I didn't notice this until the last couple of months when I figured out the diagnosis and I had confirmed it with a psychiatrist, it's not just a self-diagnosis. I'm just looking back at the things lawyers typically do to develop business or to like go to a chamber of commerce breakfast, let's just say. Totally. I always wonder like, huh, why is it that I always have such a good time, but people walk away with business cards and appointments and I just end up catching up with my friends and the event is over before I get a chance to get underway. Or more common is the experience of not really being able to listen and focus to the person I'm speaking to mm. because there's hundreds of people walking around and servers and mm -hmm. all that and leaving people feel like they're not heard. Now, people in a business setting, they want to talk about themselves and be heard. Yeah. And when you got a hyperactive kid yapping because he's his head's spinning around and looking at, at all the people in the room and looking for his friends and talking about himself, mm -hmm. it's not a great way to develop business. So I'm a lawyer who's accomplished like in front of juries, incredible, incredibly difficult, large verdicts. And like, no ongoing book of business and that's such a perfect adhd career synopsis you know? mm -hmm. how do you keep getting back to the start why and that's really what put me is like why am i still in survival mode all these years like what's going on and uh, then i'm at the point now i'm going of course you're back at the starting point what the hell do you think was going to happen if you didn't know what was going on with you <laughs> i love it <laughs> That's it's awesome. It's a ride. Yeah, and, and and you're rewriting that story, right? It, what I'm hearing out of that is is here's a new chapter. Here's I I call it a we have this blank canvas now, and let's let's you know paint another masterpiece. Is fifty plus years of a certain masterpiece, not right or wrong. It was just a certain way, and now here's a new canvas, new masterpiece. How wow. exciting is that? And when I end up spent a few months taking a look at what canvas is available, mm -hmm. what brushes are available, mm -hmm. what colors, what different types of paint. Like I've just been looking at like, what's the toolbox you need to make it through. And it's not even an, an analogy. It's just to live life as an artist. I have never considered myself to be one, but the reality is, and I'm incredibly creative person, even with communications with other people mm -hmm. I never thought of myself as creative at all my sister's an actress my brother plays guitar and I'm like I'm the dope no like I've got really great gifts I started taking online piano lessons and writing poems and just it's got to be a rounded full bowl or else it's always going to wobble yeah yeah and so my days now are kind of broken up into a couple of different days and I just make sure that 
And I got from my coach, Brooke, who she started with this cup exercise, the different cups of your life and how full they are. And you really, you know, like I sit down to plan a day. I like, I wipes off today. Today's a good day to take from the relationship cup and let's put an action item in there. And, you know, things are really easy for me in terms of like, if I had an exercise, I can't not do. So some of the challenges I've met in group coaching, speaking with people, you know, a lot of people, especially the inattentives, have difficulty motivating to get up and exercise yes. or to eat, eat a proper diet. Those aren't a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. My challenge is I'm a wild man emotionally. Mm-hmm. My, cha- my challenge is regulating my downs up and my ups down. Yes. And so I'm trying, like, I, I'm very clear on at least the initial steps I need to be on solid footing to fight this fight. Mm-hmm. And they're, stopping really just stop fighting your thoughts and stop burdening other people with your thoughts so what i do is i i have to keep going back to my plan for the day because five minutes later i'm on to something else so mm-hmm. i've just got this three times a day thing i'm working on as i start in the morning is i look at the calendar do a little mind mapping or whatever i need to do to be realistic based on what my energy level like that practice sleep last night I don't kill myself on a day where I haven't slept well. I say what has to be done and what are the low-lying fruit I can get done. That's it. And that makes me feel like I at least I used the day and didn't just get down on myself that I had terrible sleep and ruined the day. That's awesome. And when I do that, I also do intentional breathing, whether it's sitting and doing a guided meditation or taking a really long walk and breathing intentionally and listening to a guided meditation while I'm walking. And then a journal, just get my thoughts out of my head and just check in with myself on paper as if I'm somebody else mm-hmm. just to get it out of my head and not, mm-hmm. you know, it's like rumination is like nuclear fusion. Yeah. It just keeps spiraling and becomes this big thing. Whereas if, if it never activates and it's just, that's the key to like to learning how to breathe and meditate is just learning. It's just a thought, like let it go. It's just yeah. a thought. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting because I always find like when I go into rumination, my thing now is, hmm, my brain is entertaining itself. And it, it, you know, it does give that dopamine hit, but it's not a healthy one, right? It just latches on and let's just talk about this more. And then let me call three other people and I'm going to talk about it some more. And now the minute I feel that urge too of, oh, oh, I I feel like I want to talk this out to too many people is stop myself to be like, okay, that's it. And my thing is I go clean out the house inside out (laughs) or I go do my pantry. I reorganize my pantry just to interrupt the hell out of that pattern. But like I tell you though, like when it was a matter of even six months ago, Mm -hmm. people would say, you you should journal, you should write affirmations, you should meditate. It was like, yeah, that'd be nice. And it sounds like a good thing or you even do it once. But this is fighting for my life. This is different. This isn't a business coach telling you how to maximize profits or mm-hmm. like this is this is the game of my life. It hasn't worked in many ways up until now. And I don't want to be dependent on more medications in my age than I have to. Mm-hmm. I have everything in front of me. I have every tool and resource available to me. I just got to figure out how to make it work. That's the game. And I think part of that, you know, it's interesting because I, as I look at my self-help books across my shelf over here, none of them stuck till I understood, oh, there's a thing called ADHD. 
And then it was like, okay, now I get it. Now it's like even looking at books in a different way and, and different kind of books or different kind of coaching. So yeah. what I'm hearing out of this is once you understood the science behind what's going on in your head, it, that, that, that journaling, it actually makes more sense. And you're looking at it. Yeah, and if, I could, and, if, and if I could be a bright, yeah. shiny object guy, I'll go back to a prior thing we were talking about, which is going, the decisions I made about marketing moving forward, business development is like evenings don't work for me. Mm -hmm. And I already knew that and stopped going out to happy hours. But 5.30, if anything, outside of my house, it's fun time. Mm -hmm. I just, I know my body. At 8.30 in the morning, I'm on the top of my game. So why am I going to kill myself to try to, it's never going to work. It's 530, 6 o'clock at night. What does work is tuning it out by having a couple of drinks and just have being social. And that's, oh, not, the point that. of, that's not business development. Yeah, I, I actually, what you're saying makes so much sense because now you've figured out the difference between, and oh, oh that was just so brilliant. I want to repeat it. What I heard out of that was to them, them, whoever business development was, that's just for them, that's business development. But for you is that's socializing. Now I'm ready for that. My brain is tapped out. I did my day's work and now I just want to enjoy. And just to shift that perspective and expectation is, is huge, huge. Well, cause it was, it, it leads to shame. Yeah. When you, when you went, when time after time, after time, you put in your two, two and a half hours, three hours after work, to try to generate work and you go yeah. home and you're slightly buzzed and it's late and you haven't eaten mm -hmm. and you get down and you have to go why did I just do that like and why is it that other people develop a business doing that and not me so I swear I came up with like I've been forced to be a right-handed person in a right-handed world but every mm -hmm. time I've done anything well I'm left-handed yes and I'm just gonna be a left-hander for now on it's just the it, so it's just too stressful to try to be and you hear people say your whole life just be yourself you know no you and in a lot of ways I thought I was self-actualized and all that but it's also tough to accept when you know that you're just not like everybody else but you can't understand why it's tough to accept like it's okay to be a freak if you like to be a freak it's tough to be a freak when you don't know you're a freak you just know, know that something's not right mm -hmm. so now i'm just embracing it i'm wearing like a golf shirt if i go to court i'll wear a uh, suit but i've already started meeting clients outdoors and i show up in shorts now and i tell them straight up i know i look like a 54 year old man but i'm a six-year-old hyperactive kid i love and it. i yeah and i know that energy doesn't work for most people you know, so anytime you want to pick up and move, like I understand and it's not insulting, but it's too stressful for me to try to play the straight guy. Oh, and okay. I got to tell you, I'm like a nice realm of clients and people are like accepting of it. You know, people have always been more accepting of me than me. Anytime mm -hmm. people haven't accepted me, it's been because I don't accept me and try to force an issue. Yes. And like, it's just, I just don't want to have any more stress than I have to anymore in my life you know my brain creates enough stress on its own but to add obvious stress factors on top of the equation just remove them all now I'm just done just done oh, I love this you the, just even listening to you Michael this is so inspiring and and I I am sure as as our audience is listening to this 
a whole lot of new thoughts, new ideas, that validation, that acknowledgement is coming through. I thank you so much for this, Michael. And, and to be so open to sharing your story like this means the world. I want to ask you to those that were late in life diagnosed, what, what's one or two pieces of, I don't want to say advice. What do you think they should know? The most important thing for me personally, and I try to share it with other people, is to find what works for them <clears throat> to help them understand themselves. And for me, one big thing was finding a holistic explanation of the biology. Like I know I can get really in depth about things. Like I've mastered everything from cigars by taking depositions in Nicaragua to grading coins from suing the top coin grading dealers in the world. I, 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 so I lucked into a podcast and a book that worked with somebody's research from 20, 30 years prior to that, that works with this evolutionary theory of hunter farmer mm -hmm. and that um, uh, the ADHDers are hunter gatherers and we're still valuable in our own ways to society. So natural selection has kept a certain number of us around to be the go-getters, daredevils, the sensitive people, the shoulders to cry on, you know, we're those people. And then there are the farmers who work nine to five every day, waiting 35 years for a pin and a golden parachute or whatever it is. And it's been so easy for me to start to relate to myself as a caveman. Mm -hmm. That's the key for me is I only expect of me what a Neanderthal man who lives in a cave around a fire would expect from him. Mm. which is companionship, food, shelter, community, helping others, letting others help you. Mm -hmm. That works for me. Like in, in another lifetime or another world, I really am like meant to live on a, like a real kibbutz or something. Or yeah. that, that's, I'm that kind of a guy. And I found a model that explained why I'm like that like a model that's, and it doesn't have to be a literal scientific model. It could be an allegorical model as far as I'm concerned, because there are people that are really, they would freak out if they didn't have the structure of a nine to five for their yeah. life. And then there are people like me who, even when I pay good rent in an office, can't staple myself to my chair. Like I just, I'm up and down the stairs and meeting people on the street. And that's it. So now I'm just flowing into what's natural for me. And I've always been trying to do that by running for coffee and doing that. What now what it is, is organized breaks, mm. you know, set up, set up time, even if it's Wednesday to be creative and enjoy yourself. But when you pay rent and you're a lawyer and you look at all the other lawyers and they're in a race for who can build more hours, it really hurts. You like beat yourself up so badly. And I got a brother who, down here who turned Turns out when you start to talk about things, you learn a lot. Turns out my brother's deemed himself to always be an inattentive type. And he's one of the monster lawyers that's always trying cases. And he's just early in life. He's like, look, you were a maniac. I learned how to beat drums at a young age. And I've always had music. And he's got a wife and three daughters. And they start women in things. Yeah, they're all older now. But he would just go into his guitar room and disappear in his guitar room. And he, at work, delegates like crazy, like, lots of associates and staff. So he naturally knew what he needed mm -hmm. to do to make it work for him. Luckily for him, he doesn't have hyperactivity because that's the thing that I think is 
having been in some groups now and talking to a lot of people is it's tough to be an inattentive person. I don't mean to diminish that at all, mm-hmm. but the impulsivity of hyperactivity and the poor yeah. judgment. And I have a lot of really good reasons to be upset with myself over the years. It's not imaginary stuff. I've really done some fucked up things yeah. and blown some great opportunities and just not being in control of myself. Mm-hmm. And just last night, there were two occasions with some people and then I'm saying, well, I was just so proud that he said nothing. Like the pride that could come with just being quiet is remarkable. And I got home, went right to my journal. I was like, check me out with the executive function. Look at me. Like Like, the fact that you paused and didn't say anything, that is huge. I actually ran, and these are important people to me. And I ran through what the impact on the near-term future would be. And the long-term impact for both of them would be, had I said a question or a sentence, depending on which one it was. And I just kept it to myself. And I was like, my journal was so proud of me. Like, wow. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, and that right there, I think it's the signature of this conversation, is this new point in your life where you can just be at ease and just be versus this search that we've all been in our whole lives going, what is this? What is this? Why am I like this? Da, da, da. And now to this comfortable place that you've like stepped into to be in a to conversation like that and, and to pause and to hold and say, no, not going to say nothing. Like, congratulations. Yeah. It was one of my proudest things I've done as an adult. Wow. I have to be honest with you, but I want people to understand if they're listening. Mm-hmm. Every day is chock full of emotions and challenges. I haven't beaten anything. I've accepted it and I'm learning how to use the energy differently, how to steer it. If I feel it coming on like a laser, it could either kill somebody or I could steer it somewhere positively. Like I, I know it's like the distractions of being in COVID. Like I have a choice now. I can take that energy and distract myself and get online mm-hmm. or I could just breathe for a minute and organize that energy to what was in front of me in the first place that I got off of track from. Cause that's what, that's what mindful breathing is, is, mm-hmm. you know, your thoughts are going to pop up. It's becoming skilled and bringing your focus back to where you were. And that's really what I needed in my mundane work life. Yeah. You know, is I how know. to make it do Cause I know doing paperwork stuff, my mind's going to drift fast. So having that ability to go, don't go there, take a step back, just take a minute just stand up get a glass of water breathe for five minutes any of it's better than just going down the rabbit hole that's the mm-hmm. key is just don't go down rabbit holes michael thank you so much so i usually try to wrap these up within 30 minutes because i lose the attention span of my audience <laughs> but i i just think this this conversation we had tremendous on so many so many ways my heart is singing and so happy for you that you've, you've found this new journey, like so awesome. And I'm so glad our paths crossed. One, one thing I want to just leave with a parting thought. I'm one of those people that I seek patterns and kind of look at things in frameworks. And the framework that I see here is awareness, becoming aware of who we are, this brain, this neurology. And once you see it, you cannot unsee it, people. Like, you know, it is that, it's that powerful. And then going into phase of accepting and accepting not in a place of victim, but the way Michael was was explaining it, he's accepting in a way of, look at all the different opportunities, look at all the different things. I am the creator of my next destiny and however another 50 years I'm gonna be. And then leaning into what's the conscious choice I wanna make now. 
And that sweet spot of conscious decisions, conscious choices. And that example of what you did last night with, with that crew is exactly that. To really stepping in from a place of, you know yourself, like there's nobody else that's gonna create that doubt and you're walking around with your shorts and you know, and, and you're not a lawyer with a suit and any all of that and you, you know when to do it and when not to do it. So just absolutely beautiful, Michael. Thank you so much. Is there one last final thought as I rambled on a little bit here that you wanna leave us with before I wrap it up? It's a boxing match until you're down and out. It's a 10 count. Every day I get knocked down, all day long I get knocked down. I'm telling you, my day starts by me knocking myself down and I do it all day long. The world doesn't do it to me, I do it to me. But the back of my brain counts and hasn't made it to 10 yet. And I just go, dude, you know, what you, you know what's going on here. You know, you know what's going on here. And you want to go into a depression and a meltdown and a phase? Or do you want to just take a couple minutes for yourself and get on with your game? And that's the point where I'm at now. There have been times where I've just indulged the pity party. There's yeah. been times where there have been times where I've been like, you know, I get you know, I'm miserable, he's an ass, whatever it is. But the amount of times I want to do that is just so there's so much juice mm-hmm. in empower self-empowerment that it kind of you get no rush from pity once you're in empowerment. It's just the breakdown that comes with the challenges that don't go the way you want because like I'm an all or nothing guy. So I just imagine like I've been at it a few months. So surely I've got it all done. It'll all just be done. That's how I realized like consciously I just have to say to myself, it's going to be all day, every day, the rest of your life. Lean into your strengths. Stick with your values. Like it doesn't work for me to, I've decided out of this in back to business development. I have to give up some money. I got to say no to clients that, if I don't like the client, if I don't like the client, I don't do their work. Yes. It's like a little kid back of the brain thing. And if I'm not interested with the work, it doesn't get done. So like, I know those things. In the future, getting busier, I need to associate with a couple of young lawyers. I got first, second year lawyer who want mentorship because I'm a great mentor. They want to learn how to try cases. I mentor them. And they can help do the media work that just sits and doesn't get done. So it's awareness and empowerment and accepting that out of every breakdown, there's a breakthrough. So mm-hmm. look forward to the breakdowns and learn the lesson. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you well, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, thank you so much for listening to our candid conversation with Michael. Until next time, as I always say, keep on shining. <laughs>